The sermon from St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, from August 15, 2010. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in Jesus is the second lesson today, Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is firmness in what is hoped for and conviction about things that are not seen. In this the ancients were commended. By faith we understand that the universe was put together by God's spoken word so that what is seen did not come from what's visible. By faith Abraham when called to go to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance, obeyed and left, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he lived as a stranger in the promised land, staying in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of this same promise. For he eagerly awaited the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith. Even though Sarah herself was barren and he was beyond that time of life, he was enabled to become a father, since he counted him faithful who had made the promise. Therefore from this one, and he was dead in these things, have been born those who are as numerous as the stars in the sky and as uncountable as the sand along the seashore. By In faith they all died, not having received the things that were promised, But they died seeing them from afar, welcoming them and confessing that they were strangers and temporary aliens on this earth. For those who say these kinds of things clearly show that they are seeking a fatherland. And if they were remembering that place which they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better place, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore with them God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Another ace. He couldn't remember when his poker hand had looked so good. Three aces and two queens. He was sure that his full house would win. He wasn't going to let the others bluff him out. There was a lot of money in that pot, more than he had ever hoped to win. So he goes all in. The others call, and as he flashes around his full house, one of the other players begins laying down his twos. Four of them. That full house was beaten by four of a kind But he had been so sure, so certain, so hopeful. What happened? Now, dear friends, what's the difference between that gambler's confidence in his cards and what Hebrews chapter 11 talks about? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. He was sure of his hope to win. He was certain that he had the high cards even though he could not see the hands the others had. What's the difference? And this isn't just an academic question. How often haven't our hopes been disappointed? Just like that gambler's 
hopes were. And haven't there been times where you've been so sure of something only to find out later that it, it just wasn't so? Or maybe you've been accused at times of having a blind faith, uh, you know, hoping in something, believing in something that is so contrary to what con- others consider to be the real world. Yes, this isn't just an academic question. What is it that makes your Christian faith different than that gambler's? Or are we all just gamblers hedging our bets for eternity? The writer to the Hebrews here, instead of stating what makes the Christian faith different, rather than stating it outright, he shows us the difference by parading before us a list of believers from of old. And as we take even a small part of this list to heart here this morning and and look at their faith, we see truly what the difference is. We see what makes our Christian faith different than that gambler's confidence in his cards. And the writer to the Hebrews starts here by taking us back to the very beginning. He writes, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Why do you believe that God created the world in six regular days? You weren't there to see it. No one you know was there to tell you about it. In fact, if you consult the best scientific authorities and the leading intellects in our world today, the vast majority of them will, say, will deny what this verse says here. They will argue that the evidence shows that the world slowly evolved over time with the simple changing, evolving into the complex. They'll say the evidence shows this gradual change and if you go to just about any natural history museum, you'll see those steps of evolution laid out over the millions and billions of years. Now, we could rightly argue that, uh, 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 that their interpretation of the evidence isn't correct. But would that bring us sureness and certainty? At best, arguing over the evidence and its interpretation just throws the whole thing into doubt. And doubt is the opposite of the faith. So why is faith so sure and certain that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible? Are you so sure because it it feels degrading to imagine that Our ancestors were monkeys and microbes? Or are you so certain because we need someone bigger than ourselves, greater than ourselves to rely on and believe in? And having an almighty creator fills that need? Now, as true as those things are, if they are the reason for our faith, then our faith is no better than that gambler's. We only believe because we want it to be true. That's not what the ancients were commended for. So why? Why do you believe? And why did the ancients believe that God created all? To put it simply, because God himself says so. He, and he alone, is the eyewitness that saw it all happen. And he plainly tells us, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
And it's not just Genesis chapters 1 and 2 that bring home this truth. The truth of God's creative work is, is woven throughout all of Scripture. For example, Exodus 20 says, In six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Psalm 33 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Psalm 124 calls him the maker of heaven and earth. Through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord declared, It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. And Jesus himself said, At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And those are just a sampling. There's a lot of pages you have to tear out of the Bible to hold on to evolution. So your faith is sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see, not because it makes us feel good or because we have been told it by someone that we know in this life. Our faith is so sure and certain not because it sounds reasonable or because we saw it ourselves. We weren't there at creation. No, our faith is sure and certain because of God's word, because he has said so, and he is reliable, trustworthy, and true. That's what gives faith its certainty and sureness. How much more that's brought out as we move on in the text and take a look at Abraham. Why did he leave his homeland? Why did he go to that foreign country of of Canaan where he had never been before, a, a land that he had never seen? Did he go there because he dreamed big, hoping that he could set down strong roots there? You know, so many today imagine that faith simply means to dream big, to hold on to your goals and, and have the confidence that you can accomplish them. But if that had been the case with Abraham, he would have died disappointed. For you see, at the time of his death, he didn't own anything more than the field and the cave he was buried in. There were no realizations of his dreams. Now that was not why Abraham went. Faith does not mean to dream big. So why then? Why did Abraham go? Well, again, listen to what the text says here. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Why did he go? Because God called him and made his promise to him. God promised Abraham that his descendants later on would receive that land as their inheritance, and that later... The Savior would come through them to bring blessing to all people. What an inheritance that was. Abraham did not see any evidence that that promise would actually happen. Remember, he died only owning his burial plot. But God's promise was all the evidence that his faith needed. Abraham wasn't simply dreaming big. He was counting on God's promise. So sure and certain was Abraham that God would keep his word, that he left his homeland, his fatherland, and went to that strange land to live as a foreigner. Faith is sure and certain because God is trustworthy and true. 
faith takes God at his word. And so also Abraham believed that he and his wife Sarah would have a son. This was physically impossible. Sarah was barren. They were both too old. The reality of the situation was that this was not going to happen. But Abraham believed. He believed not because he wanted a son so bad. No, yes, he did did long for a son. But the reason he believed was because God had promised it. Verse 11 says, Abraham considered him faithful who had made the promise. Faith is sure and certain because God is faithful. He is trustworthy and true. And so, dear friends, look to God's promises. They and they alone give your faith that sureness and certainty that is real and true. Think about it. When when something is promised, you, you haven't seen it actually happen yet, have you? If I promise my wife that I'm going to clean the basement, you can't go down there and look and see the evidence that it will be clean. It's, it's all a mess. It's, it hasn't happened yet. A promise is something that's going to come about in the future. And as a human being, I might prove unreliable for one reason or another. Even though that promise is there, you're not sure whether I will be able to or will remember to keep it. But how different God's promises are. When God says something, it is as good as if it is already done. His promises are are better evidence than actually seeing something happen. For you see, God's promises are what are the uh, unseen proof that give faith its sureness. They are the unseen evidence that drives away doubt. Faith is certain of what we do not see because of God's promises. And His promises are what give us hope. If you promise a child that you'll take him to the rides at the county fair, his face lights up with hope. But once you've kept that promise, the hope is replaced with the satisfaction of having a good time and and fond memories. That's the way hope works. It's, It's something that looks forward to something that has not yet happened, a future good. God's promises hold out that future good. Faith trusts those promises, and therefore faith hopes. Now, as we've said, human promises often will fail. Hope easily ends in disappointment. But how different God's promises are. The hope God's promises bring is as real and as as sure as if it has already happened. The hope that God's promises bring is entirely different than hope built on human promises Because God's promises do not fail. His promises give our faith and hope a reality and subsistence that makes it more real than even this robe that I can touch. Hope that believes God's promises will not be disappointed. For God is trustworthy 
and true. And look, dear Christian, look at what he has promised to you who, through faith, are citizens of Christ's kingdom. Because of God's promise, Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's the hope that God's promise gives to your faith as well, dear Christian. Abraham knew he was a stranger. On, uh, he was not simply a foreigner in the land of Canaan. He knew he was a stranger on this earth, an alien. He could have returned to where he had been born. If, if, if he had really considered Ur of the Chaldeans where he had been born, if he had really considered that his home, he could have returned there. But he did not count that as his home. And he didn't consider the city of Haran where his father had died to be his homeland either. And he certainly did not count Canaan as his homeland or fatherland. For he lived in tents there and so did his son and his grandson. They were only living as strangers, temporary residents passing through. No, Abraham knew that his real home, his fatherland, was not on this earth. Heaven was his home. As the scriptures say here, they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Dear friends, live as aliens on this earth, longing to go home. And I'm not talking about outer space or extraterrestrials or E.T. going home. I'm talking about heaven. For even though you and I have not been there yet, heaven is our real home, our true home through faith in Jesus Christ. For that is why Jesus came to this earth to prepare a home in heaven for us and to make us ready for that home. Live by faith that is looking ahead to that heavenly home. For Jesus has prepared a place for you there. Heaven is your fatherland. For you have been reborn to the water and word of baptism. Reborn as a citizen of the heavenly city. God is not ashamed to be called your God and to claim you as His people. For you have been washed clean in the blood of His Son. Your faith claims Jesus' righteousness as your only plea that stands before God. It won't be Peter or Paul standing there at the pearly gates, but Jesus himself will be there welcoming you home to the heavenly city, welcoming you with his arms open. We're not home yet, though. We're not there yet. We're still strangers here on this earth. Pilgrims passing through. We're living by faith, looking forward to what Jesus has prepared for us. And so don't grow attached to the earthly. This life and all its glitz and glamour and glitter is passing away. Don't grow attached to this earth, but rather keep your eyes on the distance and welcome that inheritance that Jesus has prepared for you. 
Yes, this life here is filled with its share of disappointments, heartaches, pains, and sorrows. But don't let any of those dampen your hope in the inheritance that is yet to come. The inheritance prepared for you by no one less than Jesus Christ, God's Son, your Savior. Like Abraham, live by faith. Faith that is sure and certain because of God's promise. Live by that faith. For God is trustworthy and true. It is no gamble. No gamble at all, dear friends. And the hope His promises bring will not disappoint or prove false as long as you continue in that faith. Holding on to God's promises, no one and nothing can rob you of your citizenship in the heavenly city. That's the inheritance waiting for you. Count on it, dear friends. You got God's word on it. From the very beginning, throughout all eternity, He is trustworthy and true. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.